Welcome to X. Oh my god. What was that? <laughs> Sound like fucking like Kip now. I, I, it meant to say, <laughs> let me try this again. Take two. Hold on. <clears throat> Welcome to episode 92 of the Just Jiu Jitsu podcast. I am Andrew Desimone here with. Corella Gracie. Okay, that was way too long of a pause. <laughs> this is this is a podcast where we're quick back forth back well, you forth. You tripped me up with the the with the, the two takes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was moving a little too fast for you. Uh, <laughs> I'll slow it down now. Thank you. This is the first episode we've recorded of the new year of 2020, a uh, 2021. Yeah, we we made we survived 2020. We did, and we're off to a strong start. Yeah. Uh, yeah, today it was a yeah, strong start with <laughs> politics in the U.S. is just going swimmingly. It's it's it, night and day difference. In 2021, there was a lot of fighting politically. Uh, people weren't happy with the way things were going. You have the right and the left clashing. But in 2021 so far here, as of six uh, days in, yeah, as of six <laughs> days in, everyone loves each other. Yeah. It's like they said, hey, sorry about last year. Yeah. We were drunk. Let's have a new start. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like when they took over the Capitol building that hasn't been taken over since 1884, I think was the last time mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. attacked, much less taken over. But anyways, beside the point. <laughs> I think I think that's how this podcast should be going in 2021. Let's start this off with with the bang that 2021 has had in, in the U.S. Let's Is there something we can do here to, to create some drama that pulls people in? Could we have some type of argument or fight? Is there anything... I'm trying to think of something I could just pick a fight with you over. Uh, nice shirt. Uh, do they make it for uh, n- normal size people? Huh? I, I probably. Nice haircut. Do they? Uh, do they? Did did, <laughs> did did your barber have his glasses off when he when he did it? I don't know if he wears glasses. Nice uh, nice ears. Did uh, did God just <laughs> shit them on your head when he? Man, yeah, that's a possibility. <laughs> They're not pretty ears. You're, not, you're that. You're, you're accepting these two. I, I, I mean, I, you assume I care enough to to argue back. <laughs> so. What uh? What uh, are you a guy who has New Year's resolutions? I don't. I don't have any any resolutions. No. No. Um. I think. Uh, generally speaking, resolutions are. They. They're essentially a goal that trips you up more than helps you. So it's if you say, have you heard of the sixty forty rule? Mm-mm. Sometimes people call it the eighty twenty rule, which is like, um, if I if you tell yourself you're gonna run. You're gonna work out for ten minutes. About six minutes, then you're gonna to want to quit. But if you say, "Hey, I'm gonna work out for sixty minutes," right? You won't quit. You won't think about quitting until you're like forty-five minutes in. Which means that in reality, you could have done the ten-minute workout without bitching and moaning mm. because you set yourself that goal. As soon as you're like, "Oh, this is kind of tough," your mind caves sooner. So when you set like a New Year's resolution, you're like. I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year or I'm going to not drink or I'm not going to party or I'm not going to do these things. As soon as you trip up once, then you're just like, fuck it. I'm not doing this anymore. Oh, okay. I got it. So, so it's more of a, I, I think more of like, how can I continuously grow versus how can I reach a certain goal? Mm-hmm. Not to get too deep this early on. No, that's okay. My new year's resolutions are one, two, Come back to jujitsu. To come back to jujitsu. That'd be good. That'd that's be good. that's that's one. That's the should be a priority. 
That's right up there on top. My my second resolution is to take up jazz tap before okay. maybe jujitsu. I don't know which. No, no, it's just the first thing, jazz tap. Well, hear me out. I think the mobility I'd get in my legs, my hips, would help me jiu-jitsu when I come first. back. And then jazz tap. That way you don't get beat up by the people that are making fun of you for jazz tapping. I would hope that in the five years of training with you, <laughs> I've built up enough of a base to handle myself well, in yes. jazz tap. That, that is probably true. But for, for my my benefit, jujitsu first. Okay. And then, and then jazz tap. Yeah. This is... You've had a full year in your new gym almost? It'll be, it'll be four weeks as a year in my new gym. Okay. All right, and the gym things like couldn't be going better. Right, you wouldn't know that, like, COVID has has struck with how things have been. Yeah, I mean, we 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 were affected early on, but luckily a lot of the membership continued supporting the school, which was awesome. Kind of everybody kind of came together, um, and everybody's been happy. Everybody's excited to train. Everybody um, has been conscientious of each other. You know respectful of each other so if, if they think they've been exposed or if they're sick they'll stay home until they're you know cleared or things like that so because of that we've been able to to operate we clean all the time and and i think we've been one of the most consistent outlets for people in this time you know if you, if you can't go out to have dinner you can't go out see your friends you can't get together with family you can come to you just and train yeah that is a nice outlet they've had. My outlet has just been coming home and screaming into a pillow. Yeah, that's probably why the the wine lady that goes to her car, she's uh-huh. probably just trying to need like get away from your from the apartment complex so she can like, you know, relax. Yeah, she can't have a a solid phone call without the people on the other end of hearing who's a grown crying? man screaming. Oh, okay. <laughs> what did you say? The, the, who's the lady wailing in the background? Yeah. <laughs> I say grown man, a half-grown man yeah. screaming. <laughs> All right, so today's episode is on... Go ahead. I have no idea. I know, that's what I like. I, this oh. this is... Croiler is... You guys will listen and we'll have comments about, oh, I love, it's informative, and Croyler, like, he can just go on in depth about things. The majority of the time, I don't tell like you like what we're doing. 95% of the time. <laughs> yeah. When we first started, I would always be like, hey, here's what we're doing. And you're like, fine. I'm like, here's what we're doing. You're like, okay, whatever. And I'm like, he doesn't need to even know anymore. <laughs> Unless I'm like, I need something, like, he might need to prepare some points this, yeah. is, this is you just off the cuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good like that. Yeah. Well, today is going to be just a, uh, just kind of a grab bag of things. Okay. Got some questions. Okay. Got just some, some, some things that I've read and I, I thought would be fun to talk about. We're going to start off with apologies. Oh, okay. Apologies to Craig Johnson from Ford Orange Brewing Company. We, we. <laughs> Oh, okay. Go on. You, you know where this is going? So we had a question. Oh, it was a couple weeks back. And it was from James. I think it was James uh, uh, Conway, who has, has been a, oh a valued listener of the show and has sent multiple questions. He had sent one in and 
I I confused it and I said, "Hey, we got James, our friend from Fort Orange Brewing Company." <laughs> and then I, I I got an e- we got an email from from uh, Craig who who was who kindly pointed out not the right person. And then today on Instagram, his wife Kathleen actually sent an, a message and was laughing about how yes, we also messed that up. And she's like, "That's not a smart way to get free beer, calling the person by the wrong name." But she said she has started calling him. Uh, James. So that's good. That's so, good. Because really, that's probably his real name. It probably is. Yeah. And maybe on the show we should just call him James from now on. Yeah. James Johnson <laughs> from uh, Fort Orange Brewing Company. <laughs> so everyone, Craig. Thank you, Craig. Appreciate it. And I will never get your name wrong again. And James, thanks for the question. And maybe James, you could contact Greg. Uh, maybe there could be like a co-ownership yeah. in the company. I'm, I'm sure Craig would be okay well, with whoever it. Whoever can get us the right material for the sponsorship, whoever that's, you are. That's, that's all that matters. Yeah. As long as the booze is flowing, that's all we care about. <laughs> we have no loyalty. <laughs> All right, now that we got that embarrassing thing out of the way, uh, I, I saw recently that John Danaher's moving. Yeah, he's already moved. He's, he's in Puerto Rico, yeah. Yeah, so do you know Do you know much of the context of that? Um, there's a lot of things involved. Um, so, you know, Hanzo uh, operates, Hanzo owns, uh, his school is three levels high in, in New York. And there's, you know, he, he also supports you know, a slew of instructors, high-level instructors, all modalities of the sport. Um, you know, there's all the office workers and stuff. And the a lot of what the instructors do is they, you know, they get the opportunity to grow athletes because of the volume of students that are there. And during the same thing for the athletes, the reason why the athletes go there is because there's a large number of high-caliber instructors and a, high, a large number of student bodies so you can train with. You know, you can't be a world-class athlete training when a school is 10 people. It's, just, it's so tough. It's it's almost impossible. Not impossible, but very, very tough. So um, a lot of the athletes, in order to train because of the restrictions, have moved out of New York. I know my cousin Neiman moved to California. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He moved to California because there's more schools open with a high caliber that he can train there. Do you know where he's training there? Um, he's bouncing okay. a couple different places versus um, in New York where he couldn't train at all. California, is that better though? No, I just think there's less people respecting the restrictions in California than okay. in New York. And because of that, you saw guys like Gordon Ryan, Gary Tonin, um, and others essentially move out of New York. For, for training purposes, there's also the aspect of Texas Taxes are very, very high in, in New York. So if you're an athlete or a coach or a, or a business owner and you're making a ton of money, the new the increase in taxes is not something that you're keen to. Now, not only are you going to pay more taxes, you can't train as much. People are moving out. When the entire Donaher death squad moves out of New York, Donaher has to make a decision, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I think he followed the students, and I think that they're there, at least for now, um, and that's what they're going to do in train Puerto Rico, lower taxes, free training, free training in the sense of there's no restrictions. Right. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a permanent thing, though, regardless of what social media says. Yeah, I don't know how it could be. I was thinking if you have a... The, 
some of the best guys in the game go down and it's a pretty small circle that would go there uh they start training and yes the expenses are lower but the if they're starting do you know if they're starting schools there uh, that that's the rumor so that they're gonna they're gonna start a school in Puerto Rico it doesn't seem like there would be money to to well, support such big names like that well, the, the problem wouldn't even be the money because the reality is like guys like Gordon they've made so much money that they really don't need more money and they probably make a lot from their endorsements from DVD Dan- sales, yeah you know what I mean so so they're okay for them I think the the limiting factor there wouldn't so much be money as it is as it would be practicality so if you live in puerto rico you know the 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 top grappling people in the world live in the u.s and in brazil they're not in puerto rico Mm -hmm. so for you to be competitive you have to cross train with those people in in hanzo that's one of the greatest benefits of training hanzo there's two thousand people there you're going to get a huge an amount of people cross training world champions there that f- compete against each other will go and train together the next day and that's such a huge help if you're a high level uh, competitor you know you can't be competitive when you're only you, you can for a while but long term you can't be competitive if you're only training with 8 or 10 people it's the same 8 or 10 people granted they could fly people out other world champions could travel there and train but you're simply not going to get the the amount of body, you know, different bodies and different approaches to things. Mm-hmm. And they're at a point where they're good enough that they can float on their ability level, technique level, instructional level right now. But I think long term, five years, 10 years, if they're not actively traveling to cross train or if they're not actively bringing in throws of people to train with them, that, that they won't stay as as you know laser sharp or you know as, as precise as they are right now it the move would make sense to me if it was hey let's just kind of take a year off in yeah puerto, puerto, puerto rico and we all have enough money we can we can just get by survive and we'll just train because most a lot of other people in the world aren't training so right. we're not missing a lot right so that we're, wouldn't make a difference yeah but I think that's exactly right. But I think long term, as COVID restrictions lift, people get access to vaccines and, and everybody starts training again. Um, I think it's to their disadvantage. Yeah. Long term. Yeah, I would think so. so. So after almost a year of COVID, how do you how has jujitsu been affected so far? Well, 90 percent of the major competitions have been stalled. You know, they've been canceled, postponed. Um, Abu Dhabi pushed back to 2022 now. They were supposed to. Oh, I didn't know they pushed back that far. Yeah, they they didn't want to do it half-assed this, this year. So I, I believe the last update I read about it was that they pushed back an entire year just to guarantee that they can put on the show that they want to put on. So there haven't been many tournaments. It'll be interesting once the tournament, everyone comes back. Do you think you'll be able to see, like, will it be visible the, the ring rust that people have from not being able to compete? Not really, because ring rust only really, you can only, it's only really noticeable if one side of the match is, has ring rust and the other one doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right? If everybody's got ring rust, then... So yeah. the year back might just be a year of mm, kind of mediocre jujitsu, or, or not at least not as sharp, not as crisp. Yeah, right. Um, I do think that um, 
people are still developing. I think the reality is all the major players are still training, even if they're training, you know, incognito. Um, I think they're all training and getting sharper still. I just don't know that those players are necessarily um, adding a competitive edge to their game. I think that they're sharpening and polishing what they already know with their teammates, with the people that they trust, um, or that you know they can train and not necessarily be punished for any mandates or get exposed to COVID. Um, and I think what we'll see is people performing their best game, but not necessarily an advancement to their game. Mm-hmm. How have gyms been affected? I know around here we're kind of in a bubble where we we don't have as much regulation with the gym so they can stay open and our economy is doing well right. in this area which isn't representative of the, the whole country have, what have you heard about a lot of the gyms uh, for around the country of people um, that you know things i have not heard i have not heard of a breakout in a school i've heard of people that train at a school get exposed to covid but they often get exposed at family functions weddings um work but I haven't heard of a case where somebody picked up COVID from training. And I'm not talking just jujitsu. Again, I'm not saying that I have 100% authority on this. I just, I personally have not read or seen or know or heard of any instance where a school had a, a major breakout of this and people got mm-hmm. it, you know. So um, with that said, there's been a lot of schools that have shut down that I know have lost a lot of membership that could not afford to maintain the school. Um, so so that's always always sad to see other Jewish schools close down because they weren't able to operate. I think the, the coolest thing though is while we have lost some schools and it's very, um, like I said, very sad thing to see, um, it's been cool to see a lot of schools also survive, meaning they're not surviving because they're starving. They're surviving because the membership of those schools um, has made a point to make it made a priority to keep supporting the school so it remains open. Mm. And and that's really cool. I think I was I felt super blessed when this you know the students were supporting my school during the mandated shutdown. Um, I'm sure that all other schools out there had students who couldn't afford to do it or that pulled memberships. And we totally understand, but it was, it was, I'm sure it was as school to other people, to other school owners and teachers to see their students step up and, you know, and, and kind of make sure that the school survives. So, yeah, I mean, even our, uh, your affiliate in Grand Rapids, they've right. been it, in Michigan, there's been very strict guidelines right, 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 and, right. and they've gotten by with I don't know have they been able to train off and on off and on and yeah, yeah so not consistently which right. with the gym when you can't have people members train consistently they're usually they drop off and you're done but right. but it's been really cool to see everybody you know step up and, and do, do the the best they can for mm-hmm. the school you know and, and like I said I, I'm not speaking for everyone but I at least the at least my direct colleagues that I know of my friends the operate schools that I know of um, we, we all understand, you know, like when people can't afford to support it, you know, mm-hmm. I, if economy isn't good in your area, you lose your job. I, we get it, but it doesn't mean that, um, we're mad at you or anything like that, but it's, it's just 
an extra good feeling when people step up anyways. Yeah. Although you did have that speech or I think the speech slash email right when it all came about where you said, if you, if you stop paying your membership, you are dead to me. I and don't, I, I don't remember. I thought that was a little harsh, um, <laughs> just with all that was going on. But you you drew a hard line in the sand. I, I don't remember that email, but but that's a good tactic. I might use that <laughs> next time. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It'd be funny to you. You started. You went off on your own. Got your own gym, where you'd think would be the worst time ever. Like if if Six you'd say weeks before COVID. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you'd say <laughs> if you went back like five years and said, "Hey, Croiler, all right." You're going to go get your own gym. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. And then how's it go? Well, you're going to start at six weeks before a worldwide pandemic starts. And, and, and then you're going to be forced to shut down for three and a half months. You're going to have to <laughs> shut down. Like, oh, damn. Uh, do I make it out of the air? Surprisingly, you do when you make it out great. Yeah. So if you can make it yeah. through that. You can make it through. You can make it through a lot. Yeah. And it's a good sign. And I've been blessed. Like I said, I've been blessed to have the students that I have and, and you know, people around me so it it has surprised me how there have there haven't been any outbreaks where i i've i did i've i've always thought i hope there's never an outbreak but i thought there's going to be there has to be because we, of the close quarters we, we have been spending hundreds of dollars in cleaning supplies a month in mm-hmm. the school and you have the person in charge of cleaning the school a a meticulous uh clean freak who yes who well has ocd and so he he goes over every single inch of that that place several times a day right (laughs) (laughs) a person who uh this is our friend clive who who will have a wash or a ziploc baggie in his bag when he's done with class that he opens up this is before covid this is ever since we've known him opens up and it's a moist washcloth with like antimicrobial yes with with some soap or ointments or whatever on it and like lathers his body down and yeah so that that's the guy yeah you gotta do it a a legitimate concerned clean person like a clean freak like you said i mean i say that with you know he's been awesome so Mm -hmm. i'm not mocking him no but he was the he is the person the perfect person for that job and he's also a terrific reviewer of cereal and yes and yes, yes. candy bars and so other miscellaneous anybody, snacks. anybody uh anybody listening if you need to know about cereal just reach out to clive clive ringworm on facebook yes neither of the first or last name or his real name but yeah that's it's the name he goes by <laughs> <laughs> he he's a he's someone who he literally goes by a name 99 percent of the people who know him don't know his real name. They, yeah. they don't even know that he, it's a fake name. I didn't know his real name for the first three years. I knew him. Yeah. And the job, he, his job, people think, call him by his fake name. So, yeah. so yeah, if, if you were wondering, oh, what's, what's the new drop by Snickers? Uh, what's this new cereal coming out taste like? Just send him a message. Send him a message or check it, check him out and you might get a, a nice little review. All right. Which he recently, he, he, he told me that Waffle Crisp is coming back. I don't know what that means. Any fans of Waffle Crisp out there? A cereal that was around in the '90s and probably early 2000s. That was that was a favorite of mine. The whole when you eat it, the whole house smells like maple syrup. But but it was a delicious treat. And it, the commercials, if people if if you remember, they always had these old ladies who I remember they would have this. <laughs> there'd be like these kids hanging out in their backyard, and they would see this like secret this factory that's run by elderly women and is staffed 
by elderly women, just all old women who would make this cereal. And they were they were like fascists if you tried to get in and watch them making the cereal. And that would be the bit in every commercial. You'd be like, oh, Waffle Crisp! And they would like try to look through the windows and try to get into this factory and the old ladies would just like Beat lose them. their mind. And yeah. Oh, okay. So, you know what? I'll get you a big bowl of it and we'll, we'll just, we'll eat it on the podcast. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Crunch, crunch. That's, that would sound, that would be awesome. <laughs> all right, next. Oh, all right. You know what? So as we're, as we're talking about COVID and gyms closing and people not being able to train as solidly, have you ever had a period where you questioned whether either you wanted to teach or you wanted to train? Um, like if I wanted to continue to train or continue. Yeah. Or just, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, especially when I was going from like being a kid to being like an early teen, um, I think it was actually very common in my family. I think we all kind of go through it. You know, you grow up doing it. You, it's just something you do growing up and it's fun. You know, your family does it. You just, you're just in it. But as I got to like 10, 11, 12 years old, you, you start to finally get like, as you start going into puberty and you start getting like that competitive, like I need to win and that drive, sometimes that can be a deterrent to want to train because like if you're not having the best of exchanges every time, then, and you were when you were younger, then because you're now competing with people that are older mm-hmm. um, or training with people that are older can be disheartening. And, and as a as a young preteen it's easy to go you know you know fuck this bullshit i'm not training kind of the attitude of like you want to just flip the gate the board over and you're like i'm done this yeah, is I'm stupid yeah i don't want to yeah. play this game anymore you know? uh-huh. and, um but i don't know since i since i i was a blue belt i don't know a time where i've questioned training mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure there was days that i was frustrated that I didn't necessarily want to continue training that day but never to the point where i'm like I'm done. This is mm-hmm. over, you know. Um, and as far as teaching, um, I don't think I've ever questioned or like not wanted to continue teaching. So you've always known I want to teach. That like that's I. Yeah, I've always wanted to teach. Um, never knew to what capacity. Um, for a long time, I figured it would be something. I, if I was successful in in a different career, I could open a school and teach for free. That was essentially the first plan. Um, and then of course life happens and things change and, and then it became like a part-time kind of gig and, you know, it's becoming more and more of a full-time thing. Um, and I, and I, and I don't know, I don't ever see myself not teaching. As a young kid, why do you think you still would look ahead and go, yeah, I, w- I would like to like teach and coach and have, have a school. What, what about that? Cause I understand like I want to train, but what made, why did you, it was part of it. Like, I feel like an obligation being Gracie no, to do this. Not really like teaching. I've never, like I didn't never woke up one morning and said, you know what? I want to teach today. Like that was never a thing. Um, I think it just happened very naturally. Um, people gravitated towards how I like to approach techniques and how I taught um, all, all on its own. And I think, um, there is a a very powerful reward cycle when you're a teacher to see other people learn, you know, the techniques that you're teaching, like the moment that it clicks for them and it finally works the way that 
you told them that it would and that they practice in it and it, and it clicks, there's a very powerful reward there. It feels good to see, help other people grow and become better. Um, you know, not just on the technique side, but also you see people that are not confident become more confident. People that are shy become more outgoing. There's a powerful reward there. Um, again, none of it was conscious. Like it, it's not like I'm like, man, this felt good to to make this person more confident. That's not. It's not a conscious thing. I think it's just very intrinsic. It just mm-hmm. happens, and and you you're getting rewarded without knowing you're getting rewarded, and you just keep doing it because, unbeknownst to you it's a positive force in your life. Mm-hmm. Did you have going parallel with, uh, yeah, I want to teach, I want to have a school. Mm-hmm. Did you also have a side where you said, I also want to compete and I want to like become like the best in the world. Oh, was that, absolutely. was that part of it too? Yeah, absolutely. There was, you know, for, before I, I made a transition to teaching, um, I, I wanted to be that. I wanted to be the, the top level competitor and all that. Um, and, what deterred me from that wasn't so much a deterrence, it was a choice, right? So I obviously started dating my wife and, and we got very serious very quick and I had to make the choice. And it was never like, she never had any influence on it. This was me decide making like a life choice. Mm-hmm. To be a competitor, to be a high level competitor, truly you have to be selfish and and selfish often sounds like a bad thing and and selfish is not necessarily a bad thing you have to be selfish and you have to put your needs before everybody else's you have to focus only on you you have to ensure that you are being successful you have to make sure that everybody around you is also focused on you and your success and to do that is very hard to maintain a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. There are exceptions, I'm sure, but it's not a common thing. So that's why you see, if you look across the board, all the major athletes, they tend to be single for a long time um, or have very loose or, or shoddy relationships because they're not necessarily focused on that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I saw myself... Um, enjoying teaching I saw myself seeing a future with my wife and it became one of those things that you know to be realistically to be a world class competitor I would have to move I would have to go at least as a black belt I would definitely have to move Mm -hmm. to one of the coasts that's where the jiu jitsu is um, the the highest level competitive jiu jitsu is and um, you know that would be a strain on the relationship I would have to be gone months at a time and I didn't know how long that could be sustainable. Yeah. So I just made a different choice. Is there a part of you ever where you think, do you have times where you think, man, I'd like to start, I'd like to compete again. Does that, does that flare up in you? No, not really. Um, generally speaking, you know, um, you know, I, I can gauge how well I'm doing my own self, my own growth when I visit other schools, not that I'm ever that guy who, when I visit a school, I'm like comparing to this person or that person. Um, but more like if I go to a school and like somebody blows me out of the water, 
you know, then I, and, and again, not that it necessarily has to be a competitive role for somebody to blow you out of the water. Even if you're just flow rolling with somebody, if they're getting the better of the exchanges in the flow roll, even if they don't submit you, you know you're falling behind. Mm-hmm. Right? So even in a friendly role, you can kind of gauge how you would compare, you know, and, and um, you know, I, I visit a lot of schools and I train with a lot of schools and that's kind of how I gauge where I need to be. Or if somebody catches me in the same technique multiple times, then I, I know I need to patch that hole. So it's easy for me to kind of gauge my own progress. Um, When's the last time you were caught in something multiple times with someone? The same technique multiple times? Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. Yeah. I've been caught, you know, that's not, you know, unbelievable. But as far as like, let's say getting caught by the same setup multiple times, that's been been a long time. Okay. Yeah. But I think that's pretty normal. Yeah. I think as you go up in level to get caught by the same mistake multiple times as a black belt, that shouldn't be happening. Yeah. I was curious. I, I didn't see you running yeah. into that no, over I, and over. I, I course correct fairly quick. Hmm. Um, but not, not bragging, but that's just, it's just, I think every black belt can course correct once they realize what the problem is. When's the last time you rolled with someone and they they did something that caught you completely off guard not even necessarily like that submitted you just caught you off guard with something that was either brand new to you or you just didn't see coming and like you had to step back and think um that was nice well i gotta learn from that one i don't know if it was so much um i don't know i don't know you know like usually like if i if i'm getting caught by something i see it coming I may not be able to stop it, but I see it coming. I think the last time that I was like, it wasn't so much that I was caught. It was more of the, it, it was more of the, um, I don't know what word, what, what's the proper word for it, but essentially, you know, it's like, um, it's not an attitude, but it's, um, attitude is the wrong word, but mm-hmm. It's like when somebody's really good at something, like you know that they're particularly good at, let's say, Kimura or an ankle lock or whatever the technique is, and they immediately go for it, and they know you're go- you, they know that you know, and they know that you are going to stop it. So the like the bold, like yeah, the, their yeah, boldness yeah, to go for something that-, that that they know that you know that they're good at. Therefore, they know that you're going to stop it, but they're going to go for it anyways. Mm-hmm. Like that was more surprising at a black belt level. You try to be sneakier about your attacks. You don't just say, you know what, you know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. You know. All right, we're going to finish this one out with a listener question. All right, this one's from Derek. Derek says... Is that the right name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless unless he just got it wrong when he gave it oh, to okay. me. Right. Uh, he, he says he, he started working out... And he does jujitsu, but he started working out lifting. And the gist of his question is, what are the most important muscle groups to train? For jujitsu? For jujitsu. Assuming you're stretching and you're maintaining a a good mobility rate and flexibility rate, um, it's going to be your pull muscles. So your your dorsal muscles uh, are going to be very, very important for you. You know, that's where your your deadlifts and things like that come into place. your push muscles are semi-important. They're not quite as important as your pull muscles, your biceps, and your back. So your triceps play a small role. Um, obviously, shoulders are important to prevent injury. 
Same thing, your quadriceps for power, sure, but more for maintenance so that you're not hurting your knees. With shoulders, working those out, do I, I could see people having a stake of tightening their shoulders up yeah, a lot. That's, that's not what you're trying to do. You're just yeah. trying to maintain a healthy strength so that your shoulder isn't just falling apart to anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So pull-ups, all the stuff to get your lats, biceps. Right. Uh, okay. All right, they're the muscle groups. And that's it for our first episode of the year. Not that we've released of the year, but that we've recorded for the year. Uh, hopefully, by this time next week, society is still functioning, and it's not a post-apocalyptic it, you know wasteland. What? It could be the beginning of Mad Max. I'm ready. I know you are. I've I've been in your basement. You've got. I, I'm ready. You've got th- just this weird <laughs> in his basement. I don't know how he fit it in there. It's it's this like dune buggy with flamethrowers on the sides, and this device that he presses a button, and a big saw blade comes out from the front on this arm Don't tell people that's my those are my like those are my you know my secrets so that when things collapse i'm ready no that thing is so strong and aggressive that i think you could tell people and they still okay. can't do anything to to stop you bold is what you're saying it, yeah you were bold yes yeah. you learned from that role yeah okay that right. being bold <laughs> sometimes is helpful all right everyone well have a great week and we'll talk to you later